0: Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of
1: Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. What's up? Happy Friday! I hope you are ready for a fun weekend of drafting or just evaluating your fantasy team, which you've already drafted. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today on August 30th. I'm Adam Azer, I'm with Jamie Eisenberg and Ben Gretsch today, and once again, I start the show in an amazing mood. Yesterday it was because I was happy about my podcast league team, uh, and there was one other reason that I, I don't remember right now. But you know, Jamie, why do you think I'm in a great mood today? Why am I just fired up?
2: Uh, I'm going to guess you're fired up because you drafted a lot of Tony Pollard.
1: I no. I am fired up. I just made an, a trade offer for Tony Pollard, by the way. But I am fired up because I drafted Saquon Barkley first overall, and I got Todd Gurley twenty fourth overall. You can't let Todd Gurley fall that far, people. And I am super excited about it. Plus, I get to talk to my fe- my friend Ben Gretsch. And within the first two to three minutes of this podcast, I will be ripping Will Brinson, which is always really fun. Ben, what's going on? Welcome back. <laughs>
3: Hey, how's it going? Uh I, I don't think you should be that excited about Todd Gurley at 24. That just seems like a reasonable spot to take him.
1: That the league is over. It's over. I have Barkley <laughs> and Gurley. Like it's just over and I'm very happy about that. Um all right, so we got today big news. Obviously uh, what Jerry Jones said about Ezekiel Elliott, uh why we get to rip Will Brinson. Five Quick questions for you, Uh, some preseason week four takeaways. There wasn't much, but there was a Demarius Thomas sighting, a lot of him. In fact, Ben wrote a story about average draft positions on other websites. If you're drafting on other websites this weekend, who's going too high, who's going too low? I would like to take a look at our Fantasy Football Today draft that we did yesterday and not just uh, brag about the first two picks that I made, uh, Barkley and Gurley, but also just some takeaways that could help you. And then if we have time, we'll go over some average draft position just overall and See, uh, you know, round by round how much we can get to. But uh, Ben, Jerry Jones says he's operating as if Ezekiel Elliott will miss regular season games, but not all of them. So when would you take Ezekiel Elliott? And if you're going to say round one, please specify when in round one you would take him.
3: I mean, I'm not really comfortable taking him. If I I had a choice at the back end of round one, I I might. I, I would be... It'd be hard to pass him up at like at the one two turn. Um, I'm not putting any stock in, in what Jerry Jones has said. Jerry Jones has lied to us plenty of times before, but uh, I am putting stock in the fact that the season starts very soon and he hasn't reported yet. So there like there's there's legitimate reason for concern. Uh, I haven't been in a position where I've had to make that decision in a lot of leagues and I, they're just other guys I'd rather take in the first round typically.
1: OK, you're sitting there with the 12th pick. And he falls, too. Would you take Ezekiel Elliott? Probably,
3: yeah. I mean, I think at that point, it's pretty tough to pass him up. And then you probably just reach on uh, Tony Pollard, and he'll be back. I mean, I, I definitely think Ezekiel Elliott's going to play in, in 2019, and I don't think he's going to miss half the season either. I, I kind of think this Jerry Jones thing is, is trying to get him back, trying to, you know, he just keeps talking about him. He got some bad flack last time he talked about him. Zeke and his agent weren't happy uh, about him making the Zeke who comment now, it seems like he's trying to show uh, to me the way that I read it. He's trying to show that he's taking this seriously. I mean, we'll see what happens. It's a, it's a it's a the I think the hardest question I've gotten this offseason, especially because Le'Veon Bell missed the entire last year. is what to do with Zeke and what to do with Melvin Gordon. We don't really know what's going to happen, but I still expect him to be back.
1: Two top five picks uh, when the draft process started, at least in a lot of leagues. Jamie, when would you take? Ezekiel Elliott?
2: I probably would take him as early as 8 overall in a non-PPR league and 10 overall in PPR.
1: Okay, so obviously the big three running backs, Hopkins, Adams, that's 5. Who else are we looking at that go ahead of Ezekiel Elliott right now for you?
2: In non-PPR, I would take James Conner and Nick Chubb ahead of him. In PPR, I would take Julio Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster ahead of him.
1: And Conner and Chubb? And Conner and Chubb. Okay. And so, (laughs) Will Brinson. Okay, Will. First of all, you were late to the draft yesterday. No surprise. Will is walking in likely late, Brinson. Uh, But you took Ezekiel Elliott fifth overall. And then in round eight, you could have taken Tony Pollard. You took Vance McDonald over Tony Pollard. Vance McDonald's not going to win you your fantasy league. And then Tony Pollard went with the very next pick, I believe, to Dave Richard. So that's why I'm making fun of you today. You got to be willing
2: to reach a little. Will uh, not only made that mistake, but he took some chances, not only taking Ezekiel Elliott at five overall, he also drafted Marlon Mack and T.Y. Hilton. So Mm. not that those guys are bad players, but you're taking a lot of risk with guys that are in some questionable situations now comparatively to where they were. So he took T.Y. Hilton in the fourth round and Marlon Mack in the fifth round. I'm perfectly fine with Mack in the fifth round, but T.Y. in the fourth round is a little bit too soon for me.
1: Three receiver PPR. Yeah, I, well, I, Will, Will's, I think you know Will goes on vacation a lot. I hear maybe he's just been away since last Friday or something. He just didn't. His phone's been off, uh, so he's probably really excited about those picks. I'm sorry, Ben. What were you saying?
3: I was just gonna agree with Jamie. I would. There's no way I'd be taking two Colts in the top five rounds right now. I would not want two yeah. Colts as my top five players. I will say. You said Vance McDonald's not going to win anyone in their league. I don't think Tony Pollard is going to win an Ezekiel Elliott owner their league. I think if you're investing in Ezekiel Elliott in the first round, yes, you probably want to snag Tony Pollard, but there's something to be said for, for for making a bet that Zeke will report. Uh so I can kind of understand Will uh if he you know if he was intentionally skipping on Pollard um if you're picking Zeke 5, you're expecting him to report, or else you wouldn't be taking Zeke 5, is essentially what I'm getting at.
2: Yeah, I think one thing also to take into account, Will was picking 5th. Now, Will's done enough drafts with us, Dave in particular, to know that Dave probably does not, and Will listens to our podcast, that Dave's not a Vance McDonald fan. I'm going to pull up the draft while I'm saying this to see if anybody else had tight ends in the 8th round, well, that maybe he could have gotten but, Vance McDonald on the way back.
1: But, Jamie, the point is... The point is, you know, if you are the Zeke owner, just like Ben had said, you have to go a little earlier on Tony Pollard. And you cannot expect him to last until the ninth round
2: in a twelve team league. At no, this but point. that's my that's my point, is that you take him knowing that you can maybe get Vance McDonald oh, yeah. on the way back. And so right. it's it's reading the board, not necessarily looking at, okay, to Ben's point, Vance McDonald could be a league winner. Uh so mm. just in terms of how the draft unfolded, I don't know who had tight. Dave Harry had a tight end, so he picked after him. He had George Kittle.
1: Yeah, uh, Will, Will's right in the middle of the round, though. So I mean, there's like a bunch of. But was, what I'm
2: saying is, he he had an opportunity to see does does anybody have a tight end? And just in terms of Vance McDonald, Vance McDonald and Delaney Walker went after his or with his pick, and then after his pick, there yeah. may have been a chance for one of those guys to fall back to him, where he took Justin Jackson in round nine. Yeah, it was was a bad pick. Yeah, actually
3: three of the four people behind him already had tight ends, it looks like. And it's really interesting. In the next round, he takes Justin Jackson, who's a player that almost all of his value is dependent on Melvin Gordon not reporting. Uh, I am kind of with Jamie here. I mean, I, if you would have won Tony Pollard, Vance McDonald, I think that would be a better setup than, than Vance McDonald. Just yeah. Jackson. And,
2: and, and, you know, we just published our, our pick by pick series. And, and to Ben's point about him passing on Ezekiel Elliott, this was before the Jerry Jones news or the Jerry Jones comment last night, Ben took David Johnson at fourth in the PPR, I believe it was, yeah. um, fourth overall in the PPR. I took Elliott at, at, at five. And this was a few days ago. Um, I, I I did not get Tony Pollard in that one and then in our non PPR one I just wanted to do the same thing so I took Zeke in in the five in the excuse me in the four spot and I did it just with the intention of seeing how it would play out still and I made it more of a priority to get Tony Pollard so it's just a matter I think of you know do you feel like I felt more comfortable about the team with Tony Pollard compared to the team without it mhm
1: speaking of Pollard I've been getting a lot of questions hey I have Pollard the Zeke owner wants him should I trade Pollard for like Latavius Murray or something so I mean my answer is always yes you should trade Pollard if you if you don't own Zeke for someone that was drafted ahead of him
2: because I, I mean look well, I, I did that in our podcast league. Like, I don't know if you talked about it. Yes, I,
1: I didn't actually but there's obviously a scenario where Tony Pollard is a is an Rb1 for a few weeks I don't think it's going to be for a lot more than that maybe we're wrong but you have the opportunity now to cash in on Tony Pollard. Uh, what did you trade him for, Jamie?
2: Uh, in our 14-team PPR league, I traded Tony Pollard and Marquise Goodwin for Emmanuel Sanders and Peyton Barber. So it was really Sanders. Um, you know, Barber gives me a, a replacement option whenever I need, you know, a few points as a backup running back, but. Um, it was more about Emmanuel Sanders. And so I, I think over the course of the season, Emmanuel Sanders will be better. Now, if we have what tends to happen from time to time with holdout running backs, if there's an injury that comes because there aren't, they aren't in game shape, um, I'm going to regret giving up Tony Pollard. And like you said, Adam, th- there could be a couple weeks scenario where he is the number one running back. I think you're starting him week one against the Giants without hesitation if there's no Ezekiel Elliott.
1: All right. Okay, Ben, uh, final note here. We'll get to some more news later. But Kareem Hunt is going to have sports hernia surgery. Of course, he has an eight-game suspension. But does this matter at all for Kareem Hunt and or Nick Chubb?
3: I mean, yeah, it makes it a little bit more likely that Kareem Hunt's not ready to go when he gets back. He's not going to be with the team during a suspension. So I'm not drafting Kareem Hunt. I I honestly don't see the upside there. And and this is just a little bit more of a reason to avoid a guy who's going to miss half the season.
1: All right, a few things to promote. CBS Sports HQ, Fantasy Football Today. You love this podcast. Well, you'll also love the video show. You can watch it noon Eastern, Monday through Friday. And then, of course, we have two hours before kickoff on Sunday
2: to get you ready. Three for, hours, for, my Three time. hours? Three hours. Woo. Three hours. Well, ten to one.
1: CBS Sports HQ is always streaming. It's 24-7. But in terms of just fantasy football coverage, uh, that's going to be ten to one now, uh, Eastern. Um, Sunday morning. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. You can get it on your Roku, on your Apple TV, on your Amazon Fire, any any connected device. You can watch it on your phone. Just get the CBS Sports app. It's all free. We have a Facebook group. It's called Fantasy Football Today. Please join it. Tell your friends. And if you so you guys keep sending me rate my team emails. Not really going to read a lot of them, but we will have a, a Facebook thread of rating my team. You can post your team there and have our listeners and our fantasy friends rate your team. Eye on Fantasy Football is our Saturday night radio show. I'm going to need you to call in this week, people, because I might be doing the show solo. I might be, uh, because we have a hurricane bearing down on South Florida. I'm in New York, but Dave, Jamie, and Heath are getting out of town in South Florida. Stay safe, everybody. And, um, yeah, I don't know if any of them are going to be able to join me. But either way, going to be answering all of your questions. You can call us up. It's 10 to midnight on CBS Sports Radio, Sirius Channel 206, and uh, it's awesome. Five quick questions for you. Who are some late round guys that you just keep on drafting, Ben?
3: Yeah, I mean, this is a question that definitely depended on current ADP trends. If you asked me this a couple weeks ago, it would have been guys like Darwin Thompson and Matt Breida, who I was drafting constantly. Now, Ronald Jones is falling back. I'm taking him a lot. We don't need to discuss him again. But uh, he's still a guy that I think has upside. Uh Jalen Richard is a guy that I am seeing go way, way late. In your guys' draft that, that we were just discussing, he went multiple rounds after Dari Agum Bowale, who is an interesting uh, name to watch based on his preseason. The fact he's clearly going to make the team might have a and down role, but Jalen Richard went even after him. Jalen Richard has been what Dari Agum Bowale hopes to be all offseason. He's the, going to be on the field as their backup. They cut Doug Martin, which was his, his biggest competition for. Uh, backup duties there. I mean, DeAndre Washington looks okay, but Jalen Rashard's a good back. I mean, he's he's a he was very productive last year in the passing game. Josh Jacobs is, you know, likely going to be the lead back, but I, I still think Jalen Rashard should be drafted a lot more frequently than he is and a lot earlier than he is. He's a, a great late-round uh, running back target. For me, it's typically running backs. There's not a lot of receivers that I'm taking late, but one name is Traquan Smith that I think is just completely uh, undervalued as well, has a chance to be the number two for the Saints.
1: All right, Darwin Thompson, Matt Breida, They are now more mid-round picks. But Ronald Jones, Jalen Rashard, Traquan Smith for Ben. Jamie, how about you? Late round guys, you keep drafting.
2: It's funny because it's almost like uh, the opposite of what Ben was talking about. I take Dario um, just with the the thought of that he could be their best running back in Tampa Bay by the end of the season. Um, it's kind of Heath's theory of Bruce Anderson, um, and and Heath has said on our video show a couple times, can he just go back and delete Bruce Anderson's name and put Dario Gumboale in there because. I mean, look, Peyton Barber is what he is, and, and Ronald Jones may never live up to what the expectations might be. I hope he does, um, but it's it's hard to trust that. And so, take a flyer on a guy who could, you know, eventually emerge as uh, I don't want to say the uh, the Philip Lindsay of, of 2019, but he might be. Um, I take Marquise Goodwin a lot just with the the thought of this inconsistent receiving core for the 49ers, and maybe the connection that we saw at the end of the 2017 season between Jimmy Garoppolo and Goodwin lives up to. Uh, the expectations of of you know what we thought it was going to be last year before goodwin struggled and and obviously garoppolo got hurt um i take tj hawkinson late you know i i don't know if he's ever going to really rise to uh um you know where people are drafting him to be a a consistent number one fantasy tight end or at least you know over the next couple of days but i think once you get past i'll say it again you know once you get over the jared cook bridge and and, and the, i'm sorry the jared cook delaney walker bridge um, there's Vance McDonald, and then it's kind of like, okay, m- maybe Austin Hooper, m- maybe...
1: Still Jordan Reed for me. I like uh, Jordan Reed. Uh,
2: jo- Jordan Reed's fine. You know, he's he's he seems to be okay with the concussion. That's that's a good name to to you know take a chance on as well. But uh, I liked what I saw from Hawkinson in that third preseason game, and I, I think he could be serviceable to start the season, especially with that matchup against the Cardinals.
1: Okay, so Jamie mentions Marquis Goodwin, T.J. Hawkinson, Daria Gumbawale. I just want to point out on Daria Gumbawale, he, he did not have a good preseason at all he played in all four games he averaged 2.6 yards per carry he had seven or more carries in all four games and he averaged 3.4 yards per carry or worse in all four preseason games so i don't i mean like that doesn't really matter it's 38 carries but he didn't really do anything with it
3: yeah i mean i think we've seen that with all the tampa bay backs they're having a hard time behind that offensive line it's it's going to be a struggle i mean it's a struggle for any of them the reason i i would still go after jones is i think he has the upside talent-wise, to, to overcome that situation. But I do agree, Agum, Agumboale is a guy worth drafting late. I just think Rashard's definitely a better one. A couple other names that are preseason risers that are, are basically free anywhere because too many people don't monitor that information along with a guy like Agumboale. Dontrell Hilliard has not gone uh, gotten enough run uh, as a late-round pick since the Duke Johnson trade. He's going to back up Nick Chubb and probably be the passing downs back. Uh, Darrell Williams I think they're going to cut Carlos Hyde he's now the Kansas City third running back he's a guy you can snag Ty Montgomery is almost certainly going to be the Jets second running back and might even be in a little bit of a timeshare with Le'Veon Bell these are all guys that preseason has, has told us should have gone up draft boards and not all of them are actually moving up so pretty decent lay
2: round targets as well yeah throw okay. Malcolm Brown in there too yeah oh yeah right I
1: mean I got Malcolm Brown in that Barkley girly league yesterday uh for me dk metcalf and now dante pettis i mean between goodwin and pettis i don't know who i i, I, I think i would take pettis first i think he has more upside oh, you should you should yeah but he's he really falling into the double digit rounds now okay so those these are supposed to be five quick questions guys so let's do the other four quickly give me a mid-round <laughs> pick that gets drafted um, give me a mid-round pick that next year gets drafted in a top as a top 24 pick
3: dj Moore. Oh, easy that's an easy question
1: DJ Moore okay there's only
3: one answer it's DJ Moore <laughs> no
1: I mean there's never like there has not been a Panthers wide receiver <laughs> that's warranted a, a top 24 pick since Steve Smith maybe right unless I'm missing right. something so I, I don't know that I, I, mean, I agree I with that haven't had a
3: Panthers receiver as talented as Steve Curtis Smith uh, since
1: DJ Moore. Moore showed up yeah in fact he drew Steve Smith comparisons on draft day okay DJ Moore is, is Ben's answer how about you Jamie Darwin Thompson no. Oh. Yeah. All right. And I'll take uh, I'll take Calvin Ridley. I think he's got a chance to juju it this year. Or a chance sure. to be really disappointing with touchdown regression. He's risky, but I like him. And boy, to Calvin Ridley, a uh, spoiler alert, his ADP on Yahoo is 69th overall. Like I couldn't believe it. I was helping my brother with a Yahoo draft last night, and Ridley went like almost 80th overall. I looked at his ADP this morning, 69th overall for Calvin Ridley. If you start. With Julio Jones, I wouldn't mind taking Calvin Ridley with him in round six, in round six or seven. And I'd like I me. Mean, I love Ridley there anyway. Um, he's question. just
3: as low on ESPN. Really? I'm, I'm looking at my sheet. He's just as low on ESPN. But he's uh, about 60th on CBS and at the uh, FFPC. And he's like 54th at the NFC, which are uh, a little bit more competitive money leagues typically.
1: All right, Calvin Ridley. Quick question number three. Are we drafting Demarius Thomas now after seven catches, 87 yards, and two touchdowns in the preseason game yesterday against the Giants? Demarius Thomas? No. Nope. Quick question number four. Are we underestimating Rashad Penny with all this Chris Carson love? I just wonder if when the season starts, we go, oh, yeah, Rashad Penny's pretty good. This is why we liked him so much going into the preseason.
3: I don't think we're underestimating him. Uh, I, you know, Chris Carson. There has been a lot of hype. Uh, he's still Penny's still going in a reasonable range in the draft. He has plenty of upside, and I, I still think he's a good target. Uh, I'm taking more of him than Chris Carson personally. I typically do that with backfields that are a little bit unsettled. Take the second, the cheaper option. Um, so I, I think his value is is correct. I don't think we're necessarily undervaluing him, undervaluing him, but he's still worth worth targeting for sure.
2: I think when you start to stack him up to the other guys that are in similar situations, uh, Ben mentioned one in, or two, I guess, Matt Breida and Darwin Thompson, um, Latavius Murray as well. You know, I, I think those guys are going to have the opportunity for not similar workload in some cases. I don't think that Darwin Thompson is getting more touches than Rashad Penny right away, uh, but I think Matt Breida and Latavius Murray potentially will, and there's probably a little bit more success ahead for those two guys right away barring an injury.
1: So how are you ranking? Is Penny last in that group for you, Jamie?
2: Uh, I think I have Penny ahead of Thompson, but I have Brita and Latavius ahead of him.
1: Okay, last question. I don't know how quick it will be, but here we go. Can I push back on this whole zero RB thing? And I feel kind of bad doing it now since we've been touting it for a couple weeks, and I still I still think it's very viable. But here's my question, right? Let's say you have a late pick in the first round. It's a PPR league. You start your your league with two top seven wide receivers, and you're just thrilled about it. Just Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Thomas, whatever. Um, I, I think, you know, it occurred to me last night, as I was doing this in a draft, in the third round, my running back was Chris Carson. It was almost Leonard Fournette in the Yahoo League. Leonard Fournette has a pretty low Yahoo ADP. Ben's going to talk about that. But, you know, so, so I don't have necessarily a total stud, a guy who could be McCaffrey, who could be Barkley from last year. So my question is, like, how do you win in fantasy if you don't have that guy? It just sort of occurred to me, like, man, I know Dalvin Cook's risky, but Dalvin Cook could be one of the five best players in fantasy this year. Todd Gurley, I know he's risky, but he could be the best player in fantasy this year. If you don't take a running back there in round two, you know how do you win fantasy if you don't have one of those just total stud running backs who's just has a major impact every week?
3: I mean, you don't have to have a stud running back to win, first of all. Second of all, it, it's you're definitely right. When you're in a start-two wide receiver league as a, with a flex as opposed to a start-three with a flex where you can start up to four wide receivers, it's definitely different. And that does increase the value of the elite running backs. But you don't have to have an elite running back to win in fantasy football. If you have – points are points. If you have a elite wide receivers in both of your receiver spots, in your flex spot – uh, presumably a very good tight end. If you're doing this type of a draft, uh, I know in my pick by pick uh, a roster that I think you guys talked about on the show a couple of days ago, according to some of the listeners in the listener league draft with me, they mentioned that Adam was not a big fan of my zero RB team in that <laughs> league. I got Travis Kelsey in that league. I got Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, Jarvis Landry and Curtis Samuel. So four very good receivers. I also got Patrick Mahomes and had this Mahomes Hill, Kelsey stack. I think of that like a DFS lineup where you're you're paying up for an expensive stack and you have cheap running backs. Now, what running backs did I get? I still got Matt Breida. I still got Kalen Balazs. I still got Edo Smith, three guys that will all have week one roles. And then I got some upside guys, Rashad Penny, Justice Hill. That Okay, that doesn't look good if you're anchoring to ADP in August. But one of the big things I've written about a lot this year is having a longer view of things. And every NFL season is very chaotic. Running back injuries happen players take over it happens every year we are way too confident right now in what's going to happen in these backfields and we do it every year it's and it's natural it's what we know now when we're drafting but every single year in the long-term trends and I wrote an article about this called the running back dead zone shows elite running backs tend to come from the first two rounds and, and so I do think you can take right. one in the first couple of rounds but from rounds about three to seven, you're not getting a better hit rate than you are even behind that. So it's fine to take these later running backs if you go wide receiver, wide receiver in the first couple of rounds, like you mentioned doing last night. Having said that, I don't mind taking an elite running back in the first or the second. It's really when you get into the third and fourth and fifth that if you're going to go wide receiver, wide receiver, you should just commit to zero running back and then essentially make sure that you're getting a ton of points out of every other spot on your roster and then. Just get by with the Matt Buritas. And and Edo Smith is a guy who I think is just another one that's undervalued right now. A lot of hype about around Brian Hill. There's some talk now that he might not make the 53 man. We're gonna obviously find that out soon. But Edo Smith scored three touchdowns in the preseason. Uh, had uh, three receptions for 45 yards in their second preseason game. Caught another pass in their third preseason game.
1: Yeah, uh, I, get, and I, understand, I understand. Targets, so, I, I, but, but I but think ben, it's, that, I just, it's that round two pick that I'm talking about. Uh, passing I, up I just, I just guy.
2: I just want to ask a question in, in regard to that theory. If you're taking those backs that don't have a locked-in week one role, you said that they're going to have a role in week one. The question becomes is when you don't have at least one guy that you can rely on, at what point do you start to get rid of those guys? And then you may regret that because you may have dropped the wrong one. And sure. I think that's yeah, the thing mean, that people necessarily fear is, like Nick Chubb, for example, last year. Yeah. People got away from him early in the season, and then, oh, bleep, look what he became. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, you're going to keep shuffling through a couple of the—probably. You know I mean? Just the nature of it when you draft a team like that. Okay, Um Ogumboale comes out of nowhere. Rashard comes out of nowhere, you know, has a big week one performance and you say, oh, I need to go get that guy and I drop Ido Smith or I drop, you know, you're not gonna drop Penny or Brita or, or, you know, I don't remember all the names that you had there, but, you know, you get rid of one of those guys. It's, I think that's the frustrating thing for people early on and that's, I think, where people try to get maybe a little bit away from that. The right.
3: biggest word I would use to describe zero running back is it's an uncomfortable draft strategy. Your draft mm-hmm. roster is not going to look good, but it is a strategy that you can win with If you hit on some of these running backs, you can actually dominate if you hit on the running backs and get a a big name guy like a James Conner from last year because you're so good at other positions.
1: I'd still like to give it a shot. I think you can do it this year, Um, particularly like with Austin Eckler could be the guy who ends up winning you your zero RB league or at least getting you, you know. Through the first ten weeks or so, uh, okay. Oh, there's so, there's a lot of guys. Yeah, there, no, there are a lot of guys, but that's a guy that like could be really really good. Ben uh, didn't draft any of them in his draft, but there's a lot of guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to take our first break here on fantasy football today. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about preseason week four, and we'll do some ADP takeaways from other websites, and uh, yeah, much more much more draft talk as we help you prepare for a big weekend. We'll be right back. Preseason Week 4 Takeaways. Whew. Well, I watched the uh, Dave Chappelle Netflix stand-up. It was funny. That's my takeaway. I, you know, If you're not easily offended, I recommend it. If you are easily offended, it's the worst thing you could ever watch. Don't ever watch it. But um, that was my Thursday night. I watched a little bit of uh, football this morning um, on NFL Game Pass. But I didn't think there was anything major yesterday. Did you guys?
2: No. I mean, it was, yeah. it was good to see... Albert Wilson out there. It was good to see Josh Gordon out there. It was good to see Damaris Thomas out there. Uh it was a little bit of a scare for Julian Edelman that he landed on his hand. People got a little bit panicked. Well, you know, hopefully there's nothing to be concerned about there. Um, I think it was, you know, kind of curious to see some of the teams that rested certain players. Like, for example, the Dolphins resting Preston Williams. For a guy that's an undrafted rookie free agent, showing that he's not playing in the fourth preseason game gives you the clear indication that he's made the final roster. And then, conversely, Carlos Hyde starting for the Chiefs um, they might as well just send them a one way ticket to Houston right now to see if that's going to make that hmm. happen.
1: Yeah, and uh, Benny Snell for the Steelers. Like we have a question later in the show. I don't know if we'll get to it, but who's the handcuff for James Conner? Snell has had a really bad preseason. He's averaged 1.9 yards per carry on 28 carries. Again, I don't know that it matters, but it, it doesn't not matter, you know. So if if Conner gets hurt, well- who steps in and gets the bulk of the carries?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I would take Samuels as a handcuff regardless because he has the passing work. I mean, he's the guy that can give you. It's not just about who's most likely, but how big the the return would be for your fantasy roster. Jalen Samuels is the guy that could be a dominant upside player because he's got the receiving work as well. Benny Snell's like an RB two at best if he gets the the lead down work. He's not a he's not a you know a two way
2: player. I don't think Mike Tomlin's into uncertainties, and he knows what Jalen Samuels can do for him if he needs him, as right. we saw last year.
1: And then you know I would like to see Kenneth Dixon get a shot somewhere, if he if the Ravens don't keep him around. But he had a nice game yesterday, and he's had a, you know a, a decent career. So uh, we'll see about that. And let's just let's just get Daniel Jones in there. The guy's incredible. I mean, come on. <laughs> all right, uh, Ben. <laughs> ben, your your ADP takeaways from other websites. I I think the like I don't, everybody read the story. We don't have time to go through all of the story, but. It's re- it's a really good read and very very helpful, but I think the more interesting stuff to me Ben is the guys who are going too low on other websites. So I mentioned Calvin Ridley. I I, I teased Leonard Fournette on Yahoo. He's going, he's a top thirty pick at the other four sites that you talk about, but on Yahoo he's like like thirty six. It's a big difference. Um, so you could you could get him late in the third round. I almost did last night in a Yahoo League. Anyway, uh, yes. Yeah, so, who are some guys you want to highlight? Why don't we start with Yahoo and ESPN? Talk about those leagues and, and guys that are too low there.
3: Yeah, and I got to find my my yeah. article. To be honest with you, oh, I don't even have eight eight. it pulled up right now.
1: <laughs> I got you. Again. I got you. All right. So, All right. so on, so Shoot on ESPN. Over. Here are the guys you highlighted as going too late. That their their ADP is is too low on ESPN. David Montgomery, who's Almost 70th overall on ESPN. Sixth round for David Montgomery. Damian Williams, 46th overall. I mean, that might be higher, but he's still low on ESPN. Damian Williams. Jalen Samuels going too late, 164th overall. 40 picks later than any of the other websites you looked at. Justice Hill, 104, uh, 149th. Uh, that's late for Justice Hill. Kalen Balazs really late on ESPN. Uh, 161st, and Jameis Winston, uh, top 120 pick at the other four sites, but in ESPN, Jameis Winston, 155 overall. But really, you look at David Montgomery in the sixth round, Damian Williams, I don't really know if he's going to go in the fourth round. I don't know how, how, much, how far back the ADP goes, but it's really low. So, yeah, those are the ones that really jumped out to me on ESPN.
3: Yeah, the biggest thing I noticed from ESPN actually, like a kind of a bigger takeaway, was a lot of running backs that they're just really down on, and I think they use uh, like like a specific set of projections or, or something. I mean, I, I'm not sure what where their default rankings come from specifically, but uh, it seems like they are just certain guys that they're a little bit down on relative to the consensus, what what everybody else is is seeing out there. So. Um, it's definitely worthwhile to check out the, the article. And I mentioned several players that, that they're low on at, at ESPN Montgomery and Damon Williams are two in early around Samuels, Hill and Balazs, but there was several more. There was a, a few that were lower on every site relative to um, like NFC and, and FFPC, which are um, some paid leagues, uh, you know, a little, I, I think a little bit more competitive ADP, like for example, in those leagues, you'll see quarterbacks go later. That's something we always preach in, in the public league ADP. You'll see all the quarterbacks have higher ADPs. Um, so like mentioning Winston here, he's lower relative to to that. He's a lot lower uh, than he is on the other sites. And definitely a, a quarterback that I think is worth targeting. But some guys that are lower on every site, Miles Sanders, Daryl Henderson, um, Tony Pollard, I think was lower on every single site. Late rounds, uh, Royce Freeman and, and Chase Edmonds are guys... All of these are are a lot. Almost all of them are young running backs that haven't really done anything yet. They have a lot of upside to potentially break out if the situation breaks right. Uh, and, and like we just noted, those ones that are specifically on ESPN, Justice Hill, Jalen Samuels. These are guys that I just love to target in the late rounds. So definitely, definitely names to 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 look for if you do a zero running back or even if you don't as, you know, depth running backs this year.
1: The depth running back, I mean, this is really a bigger discussion here because you are hammering home the depth running back argument. I mean, these guys are more valuable to you, I think, than they are to me. And, Jamie, I'd like to know where you stand on them. But um, I, I like depth running backs. Like, I take Jamal Williams a lot. But I don't like, I don't know if Justice Hill has that much value. I mean, if Mark Ingram gets hurt, I don't know that Justice Hill gets a bigger role. It uh, could be Gus Edwards. could be Kenneth Dixon if they keep him. I'm not, like, super psyched. I'm not as excited to draft these guys. I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of them suck, and that's why they go late, and they won't be very good. Like, Kalen Balazs is not good. Kalen Balazs, like, like Mark Walton might be better than Kalen Belage. and if, if Kenyon Drake gets hurt, they, then Kalen Belage is going to be terrible. They're, they're a terrible team with a terrible offensive line, so... If Ke- if Kenyon Drake doesn't get hurt and Balaj isn't involved in the passing game, why do I even want to draft Kalen Belage? I don't know. I have a very different opinion on on these guys, I guess. So I'll let Ben talk as well. I don't want to just have the final word, but Jamie, let me get you in on this argument.
2: I, I think it's case specific, you know. With uh, with you know, one name you you said was Justice Hill. There is uncertainty because we don't know what will happen if Mark Ingram were to get hurt. But you're also buying into a team that's going to be so run dominant. And if you just talk about talent. I can't imagine the Ravens looking at Justice Hill and saying he's not more talented than Gus Edwards, assuming Kenneth Dixon's off the roster. So I could see Justice Hill getting some touches in tandem with him. I think that he's one of those guys you have to be patient with. But your argument about Balage is correct. You know, I mean, I saw it firsthand when I went to the third preseason game between the Jaguars and the Dolphins. He did not look good. And that was a game where Laramie Tunsil did not play. So you're talking about the not having their best offensive lineman. And as we know, there's the trade circulating or trade rumor circulating about Tunsil being gone. So it's it's case by case. You know, Ben brought up some guys before, you know, the Ito Smiths of the world. We, we've seen Devontae Freeman go down. So in, in a situation like that, you're talking opportunity. And can you take advantage of the opportunity? So it's just a matter of how you value those guys. Like you, you keep saying, Jamal Williams, we've seen him get uh, a significant amount of touches when Aaron Jones hasn't been there. Will he still do that, you know, with Dexter Williams, if, if that's someone that they like? Um, you know, and that, and that's something, again, going back to what I asked Ben, how long are you willing to ride it out with some of these guys before you get rid of them? And then when you do, do you regret
1: it? Yeah. I I don't know if there's anything to add there. Go ahead. I, I, I mean, I have a couple
3: of comments. Number one, one of the underrated advantages to doing like a zero running back or being thin at running back in the early part is you're giving yourself more opportunities to hit a breakout and the breakouts at running back do come elite breakouts last year it was james connor the year before it was alvin Kamara. we've seen it uh when Devontae freeman initially broke out we saw it when melvin gordon initially broke out both those guys were in their second season and i i mentioned the running back dead zone piece when i did that research the breakout rates in the later rounds they're not great the, the guys that do break out, they're almost always young running backs, which is why I think it's really interesting to highlight these young running backs that I just did that are, are lower ADP on ESPN. Guys like Kalen Balaj, yes, he's young, but uh, he's not a guy that I necessarily would think of in that class. He's more of a bridge back for me, somebody I know is going to have an early season role. Edo Smith, Jamal Williams, those guys are a couple years into their careers it's guys that we don't necessarily know. Justice Hill, yeah, maybe he won't have a role. Maybe he's as good as Alvin Kamara because Alvin Kamara was going in the same range when he was a rookie, and no one thought he was Alvin Kamara. Nobody necessarily thought James Conner had the upside he did last season. Uh, you know, Nick Chubb was a seventh round pick last year, ended up being a monster. There's a lot of guys that, when we don't know, when there's the unknown, have inherent upside there because we haven't seen them play at the nfl level yet and when you do as your running back you expose yourself to six or seven running backs in that range where you you just increase your likelihood of this massive hit just like in the nfl draft forward-thinking teams love to trade back and stockpile picks it's quantity over you know no if i knew who was going to break out i'd draft him in the second
1: round but (laughs) I, i want quantity. I gotcha. I got gotcha. you. All right. So let's go to some other guys who have low ADPs on other websites like Yahoo. Uh, Leonard Fournette. We keep talking about that. Tyler Lockett, though, on Yahoo, his ADP is 62nd overall. He is an early sixth-round pick. For us, he's a mid-fourth-round pick in a 12-team league. So Tyler Lockett, great value. And Darius Geis. Ben, when are you comfortable taking Darius Geis? As you mentioned, he's a top 80 pick at FFPC and NFC. He's 83rd at ESPN. He's 90th or 89th at CBS on Yahoo. Darius Geis is not a top 100 pick. His ADP is 103rd overall.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable taking him kind of all in that range. It depends which other running backs are gone. I mean, that's kind of not a great answer, but I'm definitely concerned about the situation with Washington. Even if he is the lead back, it's not going to be a good team. He's not going to get a lot of scoring opportunities. So... The uncertainty with the depth chart plus the fact that the upside, if he is the lead back, might not be amazing in that offense. Both those things have me a little bit not as excited about him.
1: Are there any other players you want to highlight from your story?
3: Uh, I, I mean, again, I think the biggest takeaway I had, especially when I looked at which players were lowest on all at all the public leagues relative to places like NFC and FFPC, it was young guys. At receiver, it was Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore are both younger across the public league spectrum compared to those leagues. I mentioned all of those running backs. Uh, Cortland Sutton's another one that I think is worth highlighting. This guy was a really good prospect. Wasn't terrible last year, to be honest. I mean, he had a really good yards per target number for only catching 50% of his targets. And the reason he had such a low catch rate was a high average depth of target, a lot of downfield passes, and a ton of uncatchable passes. He didn't really have a great connection with Case Keenum. If he can develop a little bit of a downfield connection with Joe Flacco, I think he has the potential to break out. Uh, but the biggest takeaway, man, was public leagues overvalue veterans, people they know, and they undervalue youth and upside. And just because they, they don't know these names as well, probably, are a lot of people. So if you're in a casual league, I would recommend taking a lot of guys um, that are younger, that, you know, it's it's not going to be comfortable. You're not going to know what their roles are in week one. but. Uh, you might hit on this year's Nick Chubb or this year's James Conner from last year or Alvin Kamara from the year before. That's where the breakouts tend to come from, is the younger class.
1: Okay. And, and I'll just add if you're looking at those young guys and they're going to be running backs in a lot of cases, try to target a good offense. I think that's, you know, like if, even if Kalen Balazs were on the Saints or something like that, I might be more excited about him just to, you know, like plug into a, a good system, good offense. But you don't want to necessarily be pinning your hopes on young guys on on bad offenses so I, I think when you look at alvin Kamara, when you look at james connor i mean nick chubb after baker mayfield takes over and freddie kitchens takes over you're talking about good offenses here so I, I think that's an important part of it too all right we'll take another break here some advice some weekend advice for you if you are drafting and much
0: more on fantasy football today coming right up ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Okay, we each have two pieces of advice for fantasy drafters this weekend. I'll just get mine out of the way, and then I'll throw it to Ben and Jamie. Advice piece number one from me. If you're in a three-wide receiver league, I think that there are about 24 wide receivers that have top 10 upside, and I don't think it's a bad idea to do what you have to do to get three of those top 24. Uh, Josh Gordon is kind of a cutoff for me. I really like getting Josh Gordon. Uh, After that, you're looking at certainly good players, usable players, Robbie Anderson, Allen Robinson, Curtis Samuel, D.D. Westbrook, T.Y. Hilton, Mike Williams. I like all those guys. I don't think they have top 10 upside personally. So I like getting three of the top 24 if you want to go wide receiver heavy. And my other piece of advice, don't be afraid to do uh, the friendship strategy. Lock up two guys on one team. Uh, It could be a situation like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. If Williams goes later, sometimes he does. Um, could be Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Just to see who the best one there is. I think there's a there's a 25% chance that Jones is the best guy there. But Geronimo Allison and MVS. Will Fuller and Kiki QT, Something like that. Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin. Tie up two roster spots as long as one of them is really late. And just see who emerges and try to get one must-start player out of them. Ben, give me two pieces of advice for drafting this weekend.
3: Well, first of all, it sounds like you're a zero running back truther saying to draft three of the top twenty-four was wide receivers. The exact same I
2: thing see. I think
1: it, yeah. I think one. You're running taking back, one running
2: back and you're taking one running back in three of those. I
1: reviews. could. I okay. could definitely go zero RB. I could, but but I but again, I don't think it's a bad idea to go running back in round or late round one, early round two, and get a guy like a Dalvin Cook who maybe you feel like you're drafting a little early, but he has potential to be a top five overall player but yes I, so no, we, I we're, we're not too
3: ahead. dissimilar in our strategies in, in that way because it's fine to take a running back early my, my biggest piece of advice would be not don't take too many running backs in the round three to round seven range adam right at the end of the last segment made a great point about how good the offense is when you're targeting those late round running backs the biggest reason i like to avoid that range is we start to get into the lead backs on the worst offenses in the nfl uh, it's not a, it's not a great range to be drafting running backs. And there's so many upside wide receivers in there this year. Uh, Calvin Ridley, Tyler Boyd, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, um, D- you know, DD Westbrook is a little bit later. Mike Williams, Will Fuller. I love this year. I want to get as many of those guys as I can. So that's my first piece of advice. Second piece would be don't just like grab players to be your backups at every position so that your bench is like a, a you know, a sorted mixed bag of positions. Think about what your league settings are. For me, it typically means uh, if it's a shallower league, I don't need a backup quarterback or possibly even a backup tight end if I get one of the top six and I'm never going to sit that guy. And I want to use those bench spots on more of those flyer running backs. And to Jamie's point, yes, it's sometimes hard to know who to drop, but I want to get more running backs on my bench uh, comparatively.
2: All right, Jamie, give me a couple pieces of advice. I think the first one is if you're comfortable with your first, I'll say four selections, because I think this is where their average draft position is, and you really like the way that you started your draft, be aggressive with either Melvin Gordon or A.J. Green in that round five range because those two guys can significantly win your fantasy league if they play enough games. Green, we know, is going to show up at some point because of the ankle injury. But if you get Melvin Gordon, he could be very similar to Nick Chubb in terms of when he plays. I think you're going to get maybe eight games out of Melvin Gordon. Uh, just looking at how this could play out, he could play 16 games and that could just be an awesome situation for you. But when you get to, I think it's round five is where I would feel the most comfortable with both those guys at this point. Uh, Be aggressive with, you know, guys that I would consider to be league winners, probably some other guys you could throw in there, but I'm just looking at, you know, some of the guys who have missed time and are are falling in drafts. And the other one would be Ben kind of touched on this with the tight ends. You don't have to necessarily pull the trigger on one of the three guys at the top of Kelsey, Ertz and Kittle. But when you get into that round four or five range, you might want to consider Ingram, Howard or Henry, because I think one, if not all three, can push two of those guys out of the top three. And so it's going to be interesting to see how those three guys go, uh, how they perform, how they you know, stay healthy in terms of Ingram and Howard um, and Henry also obviously coming off the ACL. But I think those three guys can be significant difference makers. And it's kind of uh, for me, at least it's been a. Um, Uh, A comforting thing knowing I have one of those tight ends, not necessarily having to take a second or third round pick on one of the other guys, but still getting three or four good players and then getting one of those top tier guys. That's a great transition
1: into our next discussion, which will be about our Fantasy Football Today draft that we did yesterday and the tight end I took and the decision that I somewhat regret, but I'd love to get Jamie and Ben's take on it. All right, that's it for the video portion of Fantasy Football Today. Thank you so much for watching. And if you want to see some clips, go to youtube.com slash fantasy football today. And for the audio listeners, we'll be back in like literally half a second. Be right back. So, transitioning to my tight end pick. All right. So, uh, you know, strategy wise here, fantasy football today draft, PPR, three receivers and a flex. First pick, I start with Barkley, and then I get Gurley, then I took Keenan Allen, and uh, and then I took OJ Howard and Josh Gordon. So my team now has two running backs in in Gurley and Barkley, Keenan Allen and and Josh Gordon at wide receiver. And O.J. Howard at tight end, I had a little – I had regret almost immediately. Jamie, I thought maybe I should have taken David Montgomery over O.J. Howard. I understand the scarcity of tight end, but, you know, I I don't know. I I think I may have messed that up. What do you think? Who would you have taken in that situation? And it wasn't just Montgomery. The running backs on the board were Montgomery, Sonny Michelle, Marlon Mack, and Duke Johnson – I did not want Mac for sure, uh, but yeah. Like, did I screw up going with O.J. Howard there?
2: So you had Barkley, Gurley,
1: Keenan Allen, and Josh Gordon.
2: And Josh Gordon. So two running backs. Well, you took Howard before Gordon, so you had two running backs. Back-to-back picks. And okay, so two receivers, uh, in a three-receiver league. I mean, look, it, it comes down to you know Ben was just talking about this. Points are points, and it matters where you. It, it doesn't necessarily matter. We get those points as long as you're getting them. And so if Howard. Is producing on the level of what Montgomery does, on the level of what um, you know maybe a, th- a third receiver would have given you. I don't know if you were considering receiver at that point. DJ Moore was available. Ben no, would I, him. I wasn't because
1: we had reached that top twenty-four cutoff, and Gordon. No, no, was Ben was taking him in round two. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I understand if he does, but do you think I steal. made a mistake? Do you think I made no, a mistake I, with with I, Howard there? I,
2: I don't. I, I don't think that. Any of the running backs or receivers stand out that much more than OJ Howard, so I okay. think he made the right call. Okay, cool. The only thing I would say is, if you were considering a third running back there, it's because you're concerned about Gurley. But,
1: but okay, so I didn't take a third running back there, and then I ended up with Philip Lindsay as my third running back. So do you See, think that that, the, that that's
2: a great situation?
1: Okay, all right, good. Um, yeah, and then the, like when you're drafting on the turn, like I, I think 49th overall is early for OJ Howard, but it was either that it was now or never. I wasn't getting him. Two rounds later, and Evan Ingram was already off the board, and Hunter Henry went like six picks later. So, uh, all right. So I just want to mention one other thing about this. If you're wondering when do I take Melvin Gordon, I think Jack Jack Capitordo crushed it with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, 60 and 61 overall. He had the 12th pick of round five and the first pick of round six. And personally, I just loved that. Uh, Ben, I want to get your, your opinion on something here backfields right do you like so in my particular situation Philip Lindsay uh, do you like taking Royce Freeman later or should you should fantasy owners in general try to lock up backfields or have exposure to different backfields for example um, I had Philip Lindsay and then I drafted Royce Freeman I could have taken Lashawn McCoy another example would be George Maselli he had Chris Carson late in round three and then he took Darwin Thompson four picks ahead of Rashad Penny. And he knew he wasn't going to get Penny if he didn't take him there, so he could have locked up the Seahawks' backfield. Instead, he went with Darwin Thompson. What's a better approach there, to spread your to spread your exposure to different backfields or to lock up one situation?
3: In my opinion, it's always to spread it. Because in a situation where you, you think you lock it up, there's not always necessarily a ton or as much upside as you hope, particularly with running backs, because they can split work. It does depend on the uh, on the offense a little bit. There are specific offenses that I think it's fine to try to lock up the whole offense, like the chiefs. If you went for multiple players on the chiefs offense, that's fine with me completely. Uh, but like Denver, that's an offense that I'm, you're hoping that either Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman is the lead back because last year they also incorporated Devontae Booker, their trade for uh, Theo Riddick, who's now injured, but will be back at some point this year indicates they still want to use a third back in the passing game you're really hoping one of Freeman or Lindsay ends up being the star. So you're either going to get nothing out of both if, if they split it or not enough out of both, I should say, or that's the concern um, or you're locking in a, a miss, you know, as well as a hit one of those works out. And in my opinion, I, I like you, you want to target strategies that help you win your league, be first out of 12 teams. This is a strategy that would help you be more in the middle of the pack uh, getting, getting, Players from multiple offenses potentially gives you two starters from two different offenses, two lead backs from two different offenses. And for one of those picks to be great doesn't necessarily mean another one of your picks failed.
1: Jamie, what do you think? Because I I wasn't going to do it like I I wanted somewhat to lock up the backfield just in case, but I really don't like Royce Freeman. But LaShawn McCoy didn't excite me that much. I actually was considering Ronald Jones because I like him like kind of like Ben does. There weren't great running backs <laughs> there, but but just, I do. I mean, I, I see a situation for a guy to be the lead running back on a good offense. That's the thing. Lashawn McCoy is going to be the lead running back, but it's not going to be on a good offense. Um, so yeah, I don't know, Jamie. Like, let's take the Chris Carson. If you're the Chris Carson owner, do you take Rashad Penny or do you take Darwin Thompson?
2: I mean, I can give you a. I, I did that because I took Tevin Coleman in round four and Matt Breida in round seven.
1: And who'd you pass up when you took Burita?
2: I passed up guys,
1: Michael- Darwin Thompson, Rashad Penny.
2: And
3: that's, that's an offense run by Cal Shanahan that has Cal Shanahan's whole history is littered with running back fantasy production. Last year, they were four and 12 and they were fifth in running back total yards as a team. Mm-hmm. So that's absolutely an offense. You can do that. in. you could start both those guys potentially in,
1: in certain
2: matchups. Yep.
1: Okay. Jamie, what were some of your takeaways from this draft?
2: I mean, we kind of touched on one, you know, with Will taking the uh, approach of some questionable situations. Um, I agree with you. I thought that uh, Jack did a great job of taking both Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. But I think that might have been his first two running backs.
1: Oh, let's see. He had the 12th pick. Beckham, Kelsey, Godwin, Lockett, and then, yeah, the Chargers guys. So who were his other running backs? Darius Geis, um, Ronald Jones, what you like this team, Ben? This Is your favorite team, Adrian Peterson? It's not a bad team. It's not. It's I, not bad. Yeah.
3: I would if I went zero running back. I would not like uh, to Jamie's point. I would not take Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler as my first two running backs. I think you have to take a stand with like an Eckler and then go somewhere else so you can get production out of both those guys, especially early in the season. I mean, he's going to have to start mm. Darius Geist week one. That's pretty sketchy. Mm. Uh, yeah, he could. He could
1: have had Austin Eckler and James White. Yeah, in right. a PPR league. yeah, that's,
3: that's the move I would have made,
2: personally.
1: Okay. Okay, interesting. So Melvin Gordon, maybe not, not bad. Melvin Gordon, 60th overall, but as part of a zero RB, not necessarily.
2: And this kind of goes to Ben's point uh, of what Jack did with his bench. He took Ben Roethlisberger as a second quarterback and David Njoku as a second tight end. Now, he could play Njoku as a flex if he wants to. We can put the tight end in the flex spot. But what Jack should have done is just thrown darts at the wall just to see what was going to happen at the running back position.
1: Yep. Okay. Anything else, guys? Anything jump out? We're going to let Jamie go in a second, and then Ben and I are going to read some tweets real quick to finish the show. Uh, can I can I say, like...
3: David Jay- Johnson went in the second oh. round. You guys are really down on yeah. John- David Johnson. He went 205 here. In the, the uh, site ADP comparison, I saw at CBS, David Johnson's ADP is, I believe... Uh, I'm going to pull it up real quick. I think it's 10... Uh, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's 11.48. So he's like right at the one-two turn. Uh, I get him in every draft that we do together. On no other site is he lower than 8.5. And on FFPC and NFC, he's six point something. He's the sixth player drafted in both formats.
1: Um, yeah, he scares I, me. He scares all of us except I, for Ben. You
3: guys are. I, I think are, just a
2: couple of things to note with this draft. One, uh, we had Pete Prisco, who is a great NFL analyst. Um, he does not necessarily, um, he dabbles in fantasy. He doesn't necessarily compete like we do. And Pete has his bold predictions and he says Dalvin cook's going to leave the NFL in rushing. So he took Dalvin cook in the first round. That's probably a spot where David Johnson's in consideration. Uh, but in a three receiver league, you know, you can certainly make a case that the, the receivers are a little bit more of a priority. And for us, you're not going to see this in many drafts in the second round we're Le'Veon Bell, James Conner and David Johnson. I don't think that's going to be the norm.
1: Right. That's fair. But but you I had mean, two fair. chances. I just, I but think, Jamie had I two think chances we're
3: a to low take as a sight on David Johnson collectively. So that's one one thing that stood out to me in this draft for sure.
1: And Jamie, you took Michael Thomas over Tyree Kill and Odell Beckham. And uh let me get your thoughts on that because to, for me Michael Thomas low yards per catch compared to the other top 7 wide receivers other than DeVonte Adams. He and Devontae Adams were low in yards per catch and he caught 80% of his targets. And I can almost guarantee you he's not going to get 150 targets. That's basically the ceiling. Drew Brees has never given somebody 150 targets. Thomas has been close. And, you know, he's got some touchdown issues. So um, why did you go with him over Tyreek Hill and Beckham?
2: Oh, because he's going to dwarf them in catches.
1: I mean, I think so with Hill, but I don't know about Beckham. You think think so with Beckham?
2: Give me 16 games of Beckham. You guarantee that, then I'll take it.
1: Okay, that's... That's my question. If I gave you sixteen games with Beckham and Thomas, who would you take?
2: I would take Beckham. Okay.
1: So is is the catches versus Hill and the injury concerns with Beckham? That's why you yeah, go with Thomas. I'd... Okay, mm-hmm. makes sense. All right, Jamie. Uh, thank you very much. I hope to hear from you tomorrow on the radio show. Stay safe, my friend.
2: Uh, I will let you know. Everybody listening, that's in the uh, on the East Coast, certainly in the Florida area, please be safe and um, you know hopefully your drafts
0: go well this weekend.
1: Yes, Ben. Let's uh, let's read some tweets. Here we go. You can follow us at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R, at Yards Per Gretch G-R-E-T-C-H, excellent Twitter handle, at Dave Richard, singular, at Jamie Eisenberg J-A-M-E-Y, and at Heath Cummings Sr., at Heath Cummings S R. From Nick, on a scale of 1 to 10, how comfortable are you starting David Montgomery in Week 1 against the Packers without knowing his role? Six. From FF Love, Fantasy Football Love, is Cortland Sutton ever going to be good? Yes. From Sam, draft a wide... Okay, well, when is Cortland Sutton going to be good?
3: Uh, This season.
1: Okay. From Sam, draft a wide receiver and a tight end on the same team. Good idea or bad idea? Like Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry specifically.
3: Totally team-dependent. Same thing as the running backs. You don't want to load up on bad offenses. We talked about it earlier in the show with the Colts now without Andrew Luck to, to, to be taking both Marlon Mack and T.Y. Hilton in the top five rounds is probably... Not a high upside move. Uh, the Chargers, I'm okay with. You know, I'd probably want to take Rivers, and because uh, I'm already investing in that passing game pretty heavily, I'd probably want to take Rivers. Because if this offense, you know, has a really big season, you can just stack them every week.
1: Yeah, I, I think look, obviously uh, Kelsey and Hill totally fine. I yep. would say based on where Alshon Jeffrey goes, Ertz and Jeffrey seems fine. Uh, Kittle and uh, you know round ten or later for Goodwin and Pettis, that's fine to me. The one I would avoid probably is Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard. Um, I don't love that. But Evan Ingram and Golden Tate, considering Golden Tate's basically free, you has got to wait four weeks. I wouldn't mind that so much. Okay, uh, from Texas Bruin, half PPR, is it okay to draft both Carson and Penny?
3: Yeah, I mean, Seattle's like right on the, the cusp of whether their offense is good enough or not for running back production. Last year, they ran so much. They threw the fewest pass attempts of any team in the last five seasons this year, their defense is a little bit worse. I think they're going to have to throw more than people are, are kind of realizing. I don't know that they're going to run quite as much. It's kind of tough for me to see both of them be good all the time. But I, I, one of them is going to be usable. Um, so it's that's a, that's a tough one. I think you kind of have to pick your poison with them. If it were me, I, I would pick one. I wouldn't draft both.
1: From Jason, how are you feeling about Mark Ingram?
3: I'm way down on Mark Ingram. Ben,
1: not a huge fan. Uh, Give me your 10-second summary of why you're not a huge fan of Mark Ingram.
3: Uh, Leaves the offense that has scored the most running back touchdowns over the last three seasons and throws the most pass attempts to the running backs over the last decade uh, and goes to an offense that has a rushing quarterback that isn't going to throw to him a lot, isn't going to give him as much touchdown equity, and has also had their starter usurped each of the last three seasons. That was more than 10 seconds.
1: That's fine. Uh, I'm a little higher on him. I'm, hot. I'm definitely higher on him. Uh, they're going to be a run-heavy offense. He's going to be the best running back there. I share the concerns about the rushing touchdowns because of Lamar Jackson, but I still think he'll get like eight. And I think he's a good number two guy. Uh, from Adam, the earliest you draft Todd Gurley.
3: Probably 24 where you got him. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably all the way at the end of the second round. I There's too many guys I want to take in the second round to be going after guys that have already have red flags.
1: I'd probably take him around 18th, something like that. Uh, from Lawrence, what's a better strategy? Zero RB or zero wide receiver?
3: Zero RB. From We talked about it all show, and it's, yeah. it's it shouldn't be close because wide receiver production at the top, it's easier to predict targets. Injuries don't create opportunity the way that they do at running back, so it's harder for a late round wide receiver to suddenly be an elite talent um, you, like it, it's just multi-year positional trends. Wide receivers are easier to predict at the top. They're stabler. Their production is stabler. Even when they are like have a down year, it's just a little bit of a down year. It's not lose your job entirely type thing. Running back is a position where you can take a little bit later and get a great value. So this isn't even, this shouldn't, like the data shows that this shouldn't even be close to a question. Zero RB is a better strategy than zero wide receiver
1: for sure. And finally from Joy, who is the wide receiver to have in Pittsburgh after Juju, Moncrief or Washington?
3: Neither. I think they're gonna split up the targets a lot. I will take Vance uh because he gets the tight end eligibility, and I will take some Jalen Samuels as a pass catcher, you know, in on some some routes, but I'm not drafting either of those guys. My take on them is that Juju's going to suffocate the Steelers' other passing weapons.
1: All right, that is Ben Gretsch and Jamie Eisenberg. Thanks so much for listening. Big weekend of drafting. Make sure you're tuning into CBS Sports HQ because we're all over it all weekend long uh, and and Monday night and Tuesday night. So have a wonderful holiday weekend. We'll talk to you. Actually going to have a bonus episode with Chris Harris tomorrow, and then we'll talk to you on Monday with a fresh episode. Uh, Thanks a lot, and have a great weekend.